afternoon. It's uh, Bible Talk with Jane and Shannon. I'm Jane. And I'm Shannon. And today, which hasn't been that long since we did the last one, we're doing uh, Revelation 11, The Two Witnesses. Yes. And this is pretty powerful stuff. Uh, yeah, the imagery in Revelation 11 has enough references in it that we can picture this one. Yeah. Ooh. Compared to some of the other things in Revelation where... The interpretation is there, but this one... This is pretty specific. Pretty yeah. yeah. Okay. Pretty black and white, pretty clear. So as we've been doing, I'm going to read it from uh, the message, ahead, and I'll just do it. that. Okay, here we go. I was given a stick for a measuring rod and told, get up and measure God's temple and altar and everyone worshiping in it. Exclude the outside court. Don't measure it. It's been handed over to non-Jewish outsiders. They'll desecrate the holy city for 42 months. Meanwhile, I'll provide my two witnesses, dressed in sackcloth, They'll prophesy for 1,260 days. These are the two olive trees, the two lampstands, standing at attention before God on earth. If anyone tries to hurt them, a blast of fire from their mouths will incinerate them, burn them to a crisp, just like that. They'll have power to seal the sky so it doesn't rain for the time of their prophesying, power to turn rivers and springs to blood, power to hit earth with any and every disaster as often as they want. When they've completed their witness, the beast from the abyss will emerge and fight them, conquer and kill them, leaving their corpses exposed on the street of the great city spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, the same city where their master was crucified. For three and a half days they'll be there, exposed, prevented from getting a decent burial, stared at by the curious from all over the world. Those people will cheer at the spectacle, shouting good riddance and calling for a celebration, for these two prophets pricked the conscience of all the people on earth, made it impossible for them to enjoy their sins. Then, after three and a half days, the living Spirit of God will enter them. They're on their feet, and all those gloating spectators will be scared to death. I heard a strong voice out of heaven calling, Come up here. And up they went to heaven, wrapped in a cloud, their enemies watching it all. At that moment, there was a gigantic earthquake. A tenth of the city fell to ruin. Seven thousand perished in the earthquake. The rest frightened to the core of their being, frightened into giving honor to the God of heaven. The second doom is past, the third doom coming right on its heels. The seventh angel trumpeted, a crescendo of voices in heaven sang out, The kingdom of the world is now, the kingdom of our God and his Messiah. He will rule forever and ever. The twenty-four elders, seated before God on their thrones, fell to their knees, worshipped and sang, We thank you, O God, sovereign strong, who is and who was. You took your great power and took over, reigned. The angry nations now get a taste of your anger. The time has come to judge the dead, to reward your servants, all prophets and saints, reward small and great who fear your name, and destroy the destroyers of earth. The doors of God's temple in heaven flew open, and the ark of his covenant was clearly seen, surrounded by flashes of lightning, loud shouts, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a fierce hailstorm. Wow. That's kind of... That's wow. powerful stuff. Yeah. That's powerful stuff. Well, so, let's, let's start and work our way through it then. We'll, I think the best way to eat a big meal is to chew it well and digest it as you go. So let's start right away. Yeah. So let's start with... Um, we, we just got done with excuse me, Revelation 10, where we were talking about the angel and the little book. Yeah, oh, right, the little book. Between 10 and 11, there's a pretty serious break. Yeah, why do you think... It's not a continuity thing here. There's, yeah. And 
that is common revelation. It's not chronological like many of the books of the Bible. Right. Um, this one bounces around a little bit. Why do you think uh, right away in the beginning here, he was told John was told to get up and measure God's temple and altar and everyone worshiping in it? Well, it's very interesting because if you look at, okay, I was given a reed, which is typical a typical measuring rod. Yeah. It would be uh, nine feet long. Okay. And uh, it goes back to Ezekiel. Yeah, I remember he did the same thing. Right. But John is told something specific. Mm-hmm. In verse 2, he says, exclude the outer court. Mm-hmm. Do not measure it because it has been given to the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. They're going to trample on the holy city for 42 months. So basically, what uh, it's a representation that there is still a remnant. Oh, okay. It's a small remnant. Right. It's the inner courts only. Mm-hmm. And if you look, I, I have a map of the temple courts here that mm-hmm. I pulled up. If you look at the map of the temple courts, Everything could fit inside the court of the Gentiles. Yeah. It's, it's at least half the size of the temple, mm-hmm. of the entire temple. So um, only the holy place and the holy of holies, the inner court, only that part is measured because what's outside of that part is gone. Mm-hmm. I read a very interesting thing, um, very interesting commentary on all this. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see if I can find out who wrote it. It doesn't say... Um, but they talk about um, the court of the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. And from this commentary, their concept is that this is trying to save whatever is left of the Jewish people at the time. Mm. The Gentiles are in charge of Jerusalem. They're trashing it. Mm. Um, but there are a few. And we've got the 144,000. We have these witnesses we're going to talk about. Um, they are in Jerusalem. Right. In, the, in God's city. Mm-hmm. which has now completely gone over. Mm-hmm. So everything outside of that small area mm. is overrun. Okay. And in this commentary, one of the things I thought was very interesting, it said, uh, going back to um, 2 Timothy, I want to read this from 2 Timothy, and this, this, this echoes with revelation on what is outside of the holy place. Mm. But mark this, there will be a terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And then in 5 it says, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Have nothing to do with these people. That's the end of 5. Paul saying that, and what this commentary was talking about was the belief that there are a lot of people that will even identify as Christians. To act like that. Yes, because of 5, where it, it says, having a form of godliness, mm-hmm. that the people that are being shut out are not just the obvious sinners, mm-hmm. but the ones who, to God, are obviously not Christian, mm-hmm. that are not believers. Mm-hmm. Even if they claim to be, even if they're faking it, mm-hmm. God's going to shut them out. Do you think there'll be people, even now, do you think people, I suppose... Wait, I'll just ask my question, and then I think I can answer myself. But do you think there are people who seriously think they're Christians, but they're not? I mean, I guess there's that, there's that, those, those, that part in Scripture where Jesus said, there'll be people who say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this for you in, in your name? And he'll say, I never knew you. And there are I, people that, wanna, that might want to pull the, the name yeah. and do nothing to do the do. They don't yeah. walk the walk. They just talk it. Yeah. And I think that's a, a frightening thing. Yeah. 
Um, I was watching a video about a man named Jordan Peterson, who I really appreciate his his talks and stuff. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about his own faith. And it was over time, and he has become a very firm believer. But he said he was so scared to claim that he was a believer mm. for so many years because that means I have to be, I have to be what a believer is. Oh, have to live the I life. I have to live it. And he said he was he, he hadn't been taught he hadn't been taught by anybody about grace. So he said if I claim to be a believer and I fail, oh. it's worse than not being a believer at all. Oh, I so see. he was afraid of it. Yeah. Which and then eventually someone taught him the lesson of God's grace. But yeah. Um, if, if your heart is there, if your desire is there, if you're really driven by the Holy Spirit and really truly believing, mm -hmm. you, you might make a mistake here and there, but you're really trying. Mm -hmm. There are those who don't want to try. They don't want to do it, but they want to claim it. Okay. And uh, that comes from the pulpit on down. Yeah. There are, leaders, there are leaders within Christianity that make a ton of money, have tons of followers have books published and movies and all sorts of good wonderful stuff in the world's eyes yeah. that are not going to be on the inside they're going to be on the outside mm -hmm. of this temple quarter so it's it's a it's a very intimidating thing because you're right he starts out with measure this off yeah god saying okay i'm going to show you how small the remnant is mm -hmm. compared to the outside and that my temple the court of the gentiles was part of the temple my temple right. has been trampled. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, the, the religiosity is not enough. Yeah. And then we get to the two witnesses. Oh, my, yes. And it's, I guess it's, everyone says that they will be Moses and Elijah. And um, can I read something here? This is oh, I want, I want to bring something quick. Oh, yeah, go ahead. But he says, but exclude the external court. They will trample the holy city for 42 months. Mm-hmm. Here's some of the numbers in Revelation coming up. 42 months, and later on we'll talk about 1,260 days. Mm -hmm. uh, those are equivocal. They're the same thing. Isn't that three and a half years. Three and a half years. So yep. the seven years of tribulation, the first seven years mm -hmm. are when the witnesses are here. The second seven years are this time frame when it says they are here. Second half of the seven years. Second half of the seven oh, years. Oh, right. Okay. No, second, yes, thank you. The second three and a half years okay. is when they will completely trample, of course. They will trample the holy city. Because they will, and we'll, we'll get into what happens with the witnesses, but um, this is the last shot. Mm -hmm. You get three and a half years of prophesizing by He's two supernatural prophets. Yeah. If you don't get it now, you ain't getting it. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. okay, so go into, start into four then. Okay, so three, three yeah. Then we're back to the, I'll provide my two witnesses. Dressed in sackcloth, they'll po prophesy for 1,260 days, or three and a half years. Mm -hmm. These are the two olive trees, the two lampstands, standing at attention before God on earth. If anyone tries to hurt them, a blast of fire from their mouths will incinerate them. Burn them to a crisp just like that. They'll have power to seal the sky so it doesn't rain for the time of the prophesying. Power to turn rivers and springs to blood. Power to hit earth with any and every disaster as often as they want. And then here from the BibleStudyTools.com, they, uh, they, a lot of people compare this to the transfiguration mm -hmm. when uh, Moses and Elijah come down and Jesus is transfigured before Peter, John's and John and James. And I do like, I want to bring this up because I always wondered how in the world did they know it was Moses and Elijah because there weren't like photographs back then. But you said sometime just to me or 
I think it was just to me, not in a sermon. You said, well, it's because they were obviously who they were. It's like we are completely, it was obvious it was Moses and Elijah because there was no one else it could have been. It's like we are completely who we are meant to be in heaven and whatever. And it just, I don't know how you said it, but you said it, it just made a lot of sense to me. Do you remember saying that? Oh, I don't okay. remember that, I'm sorry. No, that's but, yeah, right. There's, there's two beliefs. The most popular one is that it's Elijah and Moses, mm-hmm. which I think fits the, the narrative here. Um, some some people have thought that it was Elijah and Enoch. Because uh, Enoch was taken too. Elijah yeah. and Enoch never died. Here, let me read this from, the, I, I mentioned BibleStudyTools.com. Yep. It says, Moses appeared to show that, and this was talking about the transfiguration, but here, Moses appeared to show that Jesus was not a destroyer of his law, as the scribes and Pharisees said, the appearance of Moses, who had already died, and Elijah, who did not die, but was taken alive into the heavens, revealed the Lord's power over both life and death, over heaven and earth. So that makes sense to me. I mean, God can choose whoever he wanted. And Moses does stand for the law, and he was, he did die, but God can raise him back to earth, back to life. And well, he appeared at the transfiguration. Yeah, so... Um, but yeah, and the two things that are are covered in having a Mo- Moses and Elijah. Elijah was the first prophet to write, and it was a, he started the school of prophets and those kind of things. So Elijah is the representative of the prophets. Right. And Moses is the representative of the law. So we have the law and the prophets there. So if anyone within the Jewish community has not accepted Christ, when the law and the prophets come together and they start preaching about Christ, you got no excuse. You're right. That Here, is, the, that is, um, the, that is the, the only thing when... Um, in Jewish tradition, those are the two things that are focused on, the law and what the prophets had to say. Right. So when you have those two together, telling you, you missed it, but let me tell you about Jesus. Yeah. Wow. Here, uh, uh, Peterson says, uh, uh, Eugene Peterson, not Jordan Peterson, the unnamed witnesses of Revelation 11 are the named witnesses of the transfiguration, Moses and Elijah. Throughout, and he says just what you just said, that throughout the centuries, these two men accumulated symbolic greatness. Moses, the giver of the law, and Elijah, the giver of prophecy. Between them, they direct the attention of all humanity to Christ as Lord and Savior. There can be no complete witness if either is omitted, for Christ is both the fulfillment of the law and the fulfillment of prophecy. Yeah, and so, yeah, and I like how you... fulfills both of those things. So if you're clinging to the law, or... Or waiting for Elijah to come back. Or waiting for, you know, some sort of prophecy to come and tell you this. Um, Here it is. Yeah. I haven't thought about that until right now. God completes it to the point where you have, there is no plausible deniability. Any devout Jews or any Jews will know of Moses and Elijah. And they themselves are preaching Christ. For three and a half years. Yeah, so they got plenty of time to hear it. This is not a blip on the radar. Yeah. And um, another commentator I was reading talked about how we live in a televised world right now. Yeah. Everybody's going to see this. This, And since it's three and a half years, it's not going to go away. And if you think it's going to go away, then read the next part. Yeah, you want to read it? Uh, Seven through... Seven through eleven? No, I'm I'm just going to read... Uh, I'm going to start with five. Okay. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, the two olive trees mm-hmm. and the two lampstands, mm-hmm. those are, again, uh, biblical revelations of uh, taken taken from the Old Testament, mm-hmm. um, where uh, Joshua the prophet, prophet of Zerubbabel, 
called the two lampstands mm-hmm. when they rebuilt the temple. Yeah. So, okay, we're going back to that. So the references are all here. Right. For anyone who knows um, all the Jewish tradition and the, the Old Testament and the law, and they see these things, it's all laid out exactly the way um, they would need it to be. So mm-hmm. John, John's going through these things. And it may not be something that we... Um, a Gentile. ...necessarily have context for, but mm-hmm. they do. Mm-hmm. And the two olive trees gave the oil to burn in the lampstands, mm-hmm. and that's olive oil. So, mm-hmm. okay. All right, so, so starting in 5, it says, If anyone tries to harm them, fire comes from their mouths and devours their enemies. This is how anyone who wants to harm them must die. They have power to shut up the heavens so that it will not rain during the time they are prophesying. They have power to turn the waters into blood and strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want. Again, I think this is somewhat a ref, uh, again a, a reference to Moses because turning the water into blood mm. oh, talks yeah. about the, the plagues, the plagues. Yeah. and then the fire, Elijah mm-hmm. calling down fire from heaven. Right. So we have those things again. So again, in a televised world, right, they're appearing, they're there. Oh, headlines today. Might fade a little bit tomorrow. Oh, wait a minute. They're still there. The fire came out of their mouth and burned everybody up. New headline. Mm-hmm. Oh, the water turned into into blood. New headline. Mm-hmm. The drought, the suffering, all those things going on. Headlines. So this is going to be something that cannot be ignored. Mm-hmm. By anyone. It cannot be ignored. Worldwide, people are going to know about this, see it, and they cannot ignore it. So there'll be, think about today. Just think about the media spin today and how they spin things their own way. Mm-hmm. How they, they twist things and put their own narratives in. They will attempt to do that here. But the words of these two prophets mm-hmm. will be so powerful that they won't be able to shut them up. And people will try. And there will be military. And there will be law enforcement. There will be everybody else trying to remove That's these right. guys from where they're at. And no one has the power to do it. And they will stop trying, I would imagine. Yeah. Eventually somebody's going to stop trying. But so they have these powers, and it's going to be blatantly obvious. And just think about that for a second. That's three and a half years of drought. Oh, three and a half years without rain. Again, going back to Elijah, mm-hmm. stopping the rain. You know, yes. And then the potter seal the sky so it doesn't rain for the time of the prophesying. I was thinking it'd probably just be over Jerusalem, but it's probably going to be the whole world. The whole world's going to have drought because everyone's going to hate them if they don't turn to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Because they rejoice when they're dead. The other thing I think is very interesting here is we have these two prophets here. And they have the choice to do what they're doing. Yeah. As often as they want is how six ends. Yeah. They can strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want. So they have a mission, and they've been told, go do this. And you have the power to do what you think is necessary to Mm -hmm. get it done. Mm -hmm. That, I think, also is kind of a... These are not automatons. These are not machines. These are not... Yeah. Um, mindless, they are, they've, they're on a mission from God, and they have been told, here's the powers you have, use them as you see fit. You know, I wonder, do you think they've read Revelation 11? Who? Moses and Elijah. I've, I wonder. I don't know. I, I, don't I suppose they, God would be preparing God them. God revealed everything to yeah. them. And I think... God would be preparing them to be their, these witnesses. And I think God would show them... The end result. Yeah. If I really wanted someone to prophesy or to preach or to get um, very emotionally engaged and mm-hmm. completely sold out on this, mm-hmm. I'd show them what the end result's going to be. Mm-hmm. So you want to have a sense of urgency? Mm-hmm. We have a short period of time to get this out, to get this done with, and then everyone else will be lost. So 
Yeah, I think he probably showed it to him, whether they read 11 or 12. Right, but. yeah. Okay, so we're on to 7. Mm-hmm. Starting in verse 7, it says, Now when they finish their testimony, this is our three and a half years, three and a half years yeah. the beast comes up from the abyss to it, will attack them and overpower and kill them. So at the end of their testimony, when they have completed their mission, mm-hmm. the Antichrist will come up and will be able to do what no one else can do. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, makes him look like the savior. incredibly powerful. The yeah. savior of the world, because he took these guys out that have been on the news all the time. So, yeah, and it, I like the way you read it. They talked about um, they want to celebrate the day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're going to make this a holiday. Mm-hmm. Minute, you're going to make it a holiday when you go kill God's prophets. But, okay. So, uh, starting in 8, it says, Their bodies will lie in the public square of the great city which is figuratively called Sodom and Egypt, because Sodom and Egypt, Sodom, mm-hmm. obviously a the uh, representation of immorality, mm-hmm. and Egypt, the representation of materialism. Mm-hmm. And it, it does say, in the square of the great city, where also their Lord was crucified. So here, we know this is Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. This is going on again. For three and a half days, so we've got three and a half years, now you have three and a half days, some from every people, tribe, language, and nation will gaze on their bodies and refuse them burial. Mm-hmm. There is a remnant, or there is a number of people in every single society, race, country, whatever you want to call them, that don't want them buried. Mm-hmm. So, we get the United Nations. So, it's nobody, they're going to leave the bodies laying for three and a half days. Think about that concept. Two guys get killed, and you leave them on the ground three and a half days to, as a spectacle yeah. to show off. Shows how far people And it have says gone. in 10, the inhabitants of the earth will gloat over them and will celebrate by sending each other's gifts mm-hmm. because these two prophets had tormented those who live on the earth. Mm-hmm. There is a... Here's another, here's another little break, I think, because we have, we have the, the prophets prophesying about repentance and changing your ways and doing those things. And there are some that will accept it, and the ones that do not accept it will be upset that someone's calling them out. Yeah. So they're the ones that are celebrating. Mm-hmm. The ones that are saying, well, you know, it's terrible that they don't want me to sin the way I've been sinning. They don't want me to live the way I've been living. They don't like the way I'm living. They, all these things. They're but, judging but me. In initially, there will be fear there because these guys have all these powers as well. Yeah. But when, he gets, when they get beaten... By the Antichrist, then all of a sudden, woohoo, it must not have been true. It's all fake. We can go back to what we were yeah. doing. We can live the way we've been living. Um, that level of depravity, where you are boldly confronted with your sin and you continue to do it and you celebrate your sin. Yeah. Uh, it's evil. Well, I'm going but back to that. We're getting there. Second Timothy. Yeah. You know, lovers of themselves. We're, our society's already there. And I just know that apart from Jesus, I'd be just like that. I mean, we all would. He's the only one who can keep us from becoming Loves the pressure, evil. Loves the pleasure rather than God. Treacherous, rash, conceited. Yeah. Without self-control. Without love. Unforgiving. Slanderous. Oh, my goodness. Does that not sound like no. our world that we're living yeah. in today? Okay, why don't you pick it up from there? Okay, 11. Then after three and a half days, the living Spirit of God will enter them. They're on their feet, and all those gloating spectators will be scared to death. I heard a strong voice out of heaven calling, Come up here. And up they went to heaven, wrapped in a cloud, their enemies watching it all. Okay, let's stop there. So, 
three and a half days floating. Yeah. And then... Then they come back to life. back to life, and God calls them directly and they up to heaven. Go up to heaven in a cloud, just like Jesus did. So, you're sitting at home, or you're driving your car, or you're at your office, and this comes up on the television, on the radio. In the midst of all our celebrations, wait a minute, they just got up. We, We tested, we made sure they were dead, we checked, we did all those things. And then not only did they get up, they went to heaven. And here it says all the, those who gloated will be scared to death. So they, you know, if, if something like that happened, it would be so easy to say, oh, that was just CGI or, you know, computer-generated stuff. Or, or aliens. Or, or, I mean, there, there'll be a they thousand... explain it away. Yes. People, but people it says will everyone was scared to death. Minds, but yeah. that would be a frightening thing. Yeah. Not only did they come back to life after everybody's been watching for three days, but in addition, not only did they come to life, but then they were called by a voice back to heaven, mm-hmm. wrapped up in a cloud and taken away. Wrapped in a cloud, their enemies watching it all. And then, so that everyone's frightened to death and realizing who are we blaspheming or what were we what were we rejoicing over? Because obviously these men are from God and God took them back and then at that moment there was a gigantic earthquake. A tenth of the city fell to ruin 7,000 perished in the earthquake. The rest frightened to the core of their being, frightened into giving honor to the God of heaven. The second doom has passed, the third doom coming right on its heels. Amazing. We know exactly how many people are going to die in that earthquake at that very moment. When they are coming to heaven, going up into heaven, then there's a huge earthquake. Seven people, 7,000 people die. And then the rest Again, give glory to God. standing there. They're reporting on all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, the cameras start shaking. Everything is shaking. And I thought, you know, 7,000 is kind of a small number in the scheme of things and all that's been going on in Revelation, all those kind of things. But then again, I looked at it from a human standpoint, where we are right now. 9-11, 2,996 died. Mm -hmm. That was a seminal moment for the United States. That was a huge deal for us. 7,000. In one, in this, in Jerusalem. Die in Jerusalem. Yeah. At this one moment. Yeah. So, yeah, what a. So everyone will know someone who died. Mm hmm. But it also says uh, the last line of 13. Yeah. And the survivors were terrified and gave glory to God. Yeah. So there are converts from this time yeah. period. There are converts from this three and a half years. There are people right there in Jerusalem that are going to be praising God now. They finally got it. Mm-hmm. It's there. So this process has saved the last of the savable. Yeah. And then four, 14, the last line says, the second woe has passed, the third woe is coming. Yeah. So. And then we have the last these, trumpet sounds. Yeah. We've got all these, you know, the droughts, the, you know, the lack of water, the plagues. The, the prophets, but for three and a half years yet, the Antichrist is going to be in charge. Yeah. And then we go to heaven here. So, this next scene is in heaven. So it goes, yeah. So John is, in my head I picture John being in heaven with all these heavenly beings and all mm-hmm. this stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And then he gets a glimpse down below. Mm-hmm. He gets yeah. sent down there to measure it. Yeah. And he sees everything that happens, and then now he's back in 
back in heaven. So we have our seventh trumpet. Would you read, you know, like 15 through 18? Mm -hmm. The seventh angel trumpeted. A crescendo of voices in heaven sang out, The kingdom of the world is now the kingdom of our God and his Messiah. He will rule forever and ever. The 24 elders seated before God on their thrones fell to their knees, worshipped and sang, We thank you, O God, sovereign strong, who is and who was. You took your great power and took over, reigned. The angry nations now get a taste of your anger. The time has come to judge the dead, to reward your servants, all prophets and saints, reward small and great who fear your name, and destroy the destroyers of earth. So, so we have this worship. This is the end of time. Yeah. And remember, in earlier when we were in the early parts of Revelation, the twenty-four elders, and there were people saying, "How long? Yeah. How long do we need to and wait?" Here we are. And now it's happening, and they're saying the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and His Messiah. Yeah. And He will reign forever and ever. Finally. Yeah, they must. All have of this nastiness, all of the sin, Satan's power over anything is going to be removed. Mm -hmm. Finally. And amazing, yeah. God about it. And I think the very last verse, 19, is so interesting. The doors of God's temple in heaven flew open, and the Ark of His Covenant was clearly seen, surrounded by flashes of lightning, loud shouts, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a fierce hail, hailstorm. So this has to be the original Ark of the Covenant. There's suddenly, a lot, there's a lot to unwrap here, isn't there? Yeah, it is amazing. So suddenly, it used to be on Earth, and now that Ark of the Covenant is there in heaven. And, you know, there's been people, we had the Raiders of the Lost Ark. People are looking everywhere for the Ark at times. I know that was a movie, well, and but the there are people. And the Ark is in a church in Ethiopia. Yeah. That it was spirited away there. They took it there before the Babylonians could get it. Um, all those kind of things. But all of those things are man-made. Yes, because we now know where it is. It's in heaven. And those are, But the temple is man-made. Every And it says God's temple in heaven. Yeah. Is open. That's a completely different place. Right. But what I also like about this, that within his temple was seen the Ark of the Covenant. Mm -hmm. The Ark of the Covenant was not seen. It's true. When it was put in the temple? Yeah, then that was it. Then you had the curtain over the front of the Holy of mm -hmm. Holies, and nobody could go in there but the priest once a year. Mm -hmm. Now it is seen. Mm -hmm. The curtain's down. It's been torn asunder by Christ mm -hmm. at, his, at his crucifixion. Right. It said it ripped it in half, that huge curtain. And as that was ripped open and exposed now, in the same way, we have this imagery here where God's temple is ripped open and the Ark of the Covenant, the, the law of God, the presence of God is clearly and obviously seen. And it is, it was fireworks. I can't, I can't describe it any better than that. I think it's like fireworks. Mm -hmm. Because there's an earthquake in heaven, rumblings, lightning, peals of thunder, uh, severe hailstorm. I'm thinking... How else would John describe a huge fireworks oh, It could be. It could be. I'm just I don't in know. my own You're mind. Right. I'm Flashes thinking, of lightning. Because it's not Shout. to intimidate the twenty four elders. Well, no, it's, it's not to it's, scare anybody. This is a celebration. Yeah, it's a on. celebration, yeah. So. And it is a boom. Yeah. And I'm thinking Here we are. think of the biggest and best fireworks display you've ever seen. Mm hmm Boom. God's yeah. fireworks. All the things that he can do. It just there's so much so much in just that one verse. Right. But it is, it is just a, a wrap about the completion of time. Right. So. I guess that's uh, Revelation 11. That's Revelation 11. I tell you, after that, the next parts of Revelation are pretty uh, gory. 
Well, the next part is the second half of that tribulation. Yeah. It's the, it's the stuff that happens after there. We get the dragon and all sorts of other imagery, too. So. Yeah. Uh, but the whole book of Revelation, oh, I cannot say it enough. You need to read it. And read it again. And read it again. And read it again. And study it and go to study Bibles and look to sources to see if you can get some more depth here. The little things that we saw today in 11 um, that... I doubt a Christian that had not studied their Bible would have, would have understood, understood yeah. the two olive trees, right? Or the concept of the sackcloth, or you know the um, why bother to measure anything? Mm -hmm. All of those things refer to Old Testament, and Old Testament prophets. Um, and, but even if you don't know that stuff, I mean, you can look at, you can put it into a search engine. What does it mean by the two olive trees? That's if I'm going to challenge you to do anything. I'm going to challenge you for an application purpose of what we're talking about today. Go into Revelation, and when you don't understand something, or it doesn't make sense, or you don't have a reference to it, or it's not in context, and you don't know why God put those words in there, look it up. Mm -hmm. Research it. Find out for yourself. And Take don't, for yourself. Yeah. Don't, we're not authorities on Revelation by any stretch of the imagination. We are followers of Christ that are trying to do our best to get his word out there. I don't know if I'm an authority. The only thing I think I'm an authority on is I'm pretty good at changing diapers. Well, what I'm saying is <laughs> right. it's not enough to listen to us. Yeah. And I'm not saying we're the end all, and I don't want anybody to ever think that. But I, what I want you to do, treat this like Jane and I are at the grocery store, and we're handing out samples. Mm -hmm. And you just tasted something that was really good and really interesting. And we said... Here's where you go find it. Mm. Go mm, find it for good. yourself. Dig into it for yourself. We're just giving you a taste of the wonder and beauty of God's word here. That's all that we all that we can do, and I all that we all that we really want to do yeah. is to try and make God's word something that you're hungry for. Also, say, don't be intimidated intimidated by Revelation. It is parts are scary, parts are confusing. But I did have one person tell me that, well, not everyone should read it because it's so hard to understand. I don't think that's... I disagree. I disagree. We are to read the entire Bible, no matter how much we know of the Bible. You won't know it until you start reading it, and everyone should read Revelation. I just think you should the need word to of God read, to read, all read, of us. read. Yep. Not to just to some, but to all of us. So yeah. the Word of God is there waiting for you to listen to it. Yeah. So get into the Word. Dig around in there. Thanks for listening. Oh, God bless you. All right. We'll see you later. Thank <laughs> you.